All right, everyone. Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. This is episode 26, Be Prepared, Not Scared. I am your co-host, Rainha. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Tracy. And Tracy and I are two busy moms who are doing everything we can to build sustainable, self-reliant lifestyles for ourselves and our families. Along the way, we are doing our best to be thrifty, green, and joyous. Thank you for joining us. And before we get too far down the road, we do need to say that Tracy Louise recently celebrated a super special day. It was recently her birthday. And so happy birthday, Tracy. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you have a good day? Yeah, yes. it was good. I missed you. You were gone. You were gone too long. All right. <laughs> so we are wrapping up our Earth Day Everyday module, which Tracy has been running. So Tracy, I would love it if you wanted to talk to us about how it went, what you think, where we're going from here and all of that fun stuff. Sure. So I think that the kind of overarching takeaway from the Earth Day Everyday module is really about awareness and keeping our footprint and our kind of green ability at the top top of our minds to really encourage ourselves and others to find ways, little tiny little baby ways to make a difference in our everyday ordinary lives. One of the very last things that we posted for the module was a quote. And, you know, the premise of the quote is, you know, we're not looking for just a few people to make these like major, massive, like life altering changes. It just takes a whole lot of people making small changes. And so I really think that that's kind of how I feel like we've ended it on a, a really good note and really with the understanding of how well the green living ties into every other portion of our passion project, the what if project. And really understanding how that web is woven into all assets, uh, facets of what we're doing. Wonderful. And you were also running and still are running the Earth Day Everyday Challenge for the monthly theme. And how is that going? So that has um, that has been super fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed the bingo that we created. Mm -hmm continue to kind of document the journey in photos and videos and can and I hope to continue to post those as well gotcha. and encourage others. I mean, that's what it's about. It just in, encouraging and shining my little green light. Yes. Well, I definitely think that was accomplished during the Earth Day Everyday module. We get so caught up in what we do and how we do it. And like, we don't really pay attention to some of the details of how we're doing things and this convenience concept, right? Like I'm going to go for the, the thing that's most convenient and quickest and easiest because that's what I've got the bandwidth for. And sometimes there are other priorities that you really need to sort of factor in and they can't always be factored in, but when they can be, I think it's important to try. Absolutely. And then realizing, you know, some things are just purely out of habit. Like there's mm -hmm. not really a good reason why we do things or use a certain kind of product. It's just out of habit. Right. Yes. All right. So moving forward, we are moving into our next module, which I am really super excited about. And I think you are super excited about as well. Tracy I showed am. up. Tracy showed up for our podcast today in like a hat that I'm kind of jealous about, actually. So I, I know that you're going to post that in our stories for everyone so that they can see how how prepared you are on your head, right? Yeah, they, they will also see how messy my office is at the same time. 
crop it, crop it, find a way, find a way, Tracy, remove the background, go to Canva, Canva will help you. Uh, but anyway, so our next module is, I'm calling it the be prepared, not scared module. Tracy, one of the things that I want to ask you is when you think about being prepared or prepping, what, like, what comes to your mind? What does that mean to you? What do you think I'm getting ready to like ask you to do? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> In a lot of ways, a preparedness mindset is about that that be ready for what comes kind of thing, that getting yourself in position for the future, especially those things that are predictable, like winter is coming. Not to quote George R.R. R. Martin or whatever his name is, but yeah, every year, like it always comes, it gets cold, the plants die, how are you gonna eat kind of thing. So in one way, that's it. And then the sustainability. So for me, the more kind of preparedness oriented you are, the more sustainable a lifestyle you are developing for yourself. My brother-in-law asked me um, if if I was going like full-blown, like burying a Connex container in my backyard. I was like, yeah, nope, not not yet. <laughs> I'm here for it. Have you ever had an experience where you were not prepared for something that came your way that kind of influenced you or impacted you? I super recently had the experience where I was stuck somewhere away from home, unplanned. Mm -hmm. Our flights got delayed and are canceled and we had to spend the night, an uh, unexpected night away from home. And all we had was our carry-ons. By the time we other flight was canceled and we got out of the airport, there everything was closed. So there was nothing available in the airport to purchase. All the kiosk, all the everything was closed down. And I I started thinking like, what do I have in my bag for food? And then late that night, again, some more unforeseen circumstances. The hotel we went to was unacceptable. So at 12.30 at night, my daughter and I were trudging down the streets of Charlotte going to a new hotel. And I'm like literally digging through my bag. Like, what can I use as a weapon? But then I'm like, I'm trying to be situationally aware. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel fearful, but I was very situationally aware. It's dark. It's late. We're in a place that we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it didn't, it, I felt unprepared and that I had no to, way to like weaponize myself. I did have a pen. I should have thought of that. And I didn't in the moment. I was looking for keys is what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Just something where I could try to protect us if something were to come upon us. That's kind of a, a very mild, a very mild example. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely like real world scenario because it mm -hmm. literally just happened. Right. So I thank you for telling that story. And I remember you right after you got home and you were telling me about it. And you were really struck also by the amount of people that you saw at the airline counter who were saying, I need my medicine. I need my CPAP machine. I need these like life giving, life saving substances or devices that were checked, that were, you were saying they're basically, you know, kind of now in limbo. Nobody really knows where they are. Nobody really knows how to get to them. And these people were completely yeah. without. Yes, they needed their their medical devices and their medications, which they had put in their check luggage. And in order to get that, they could get them, but you basically just had to sit there and wait. And there was no guarantee of how long you could wait. So they were like, you know, it could be up to two hours before we could basically go find your bag for you. Mm -hmm. And then we're talking, you know, now it's midnight and the shuttles are not going to be running. You know, it was like a whole a whole thing. So people were having to choose 
do I go to just get the shuttle to go to the hotel or do I stay and try to get my bag? And you're hearing a whole airplane full of people having this conversation. So, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely was eye opening, you know, like, gosh, don't ever travel without those things on your person if, if you are going to need them. So I have a bag that I keep with me all the time and it is my everyday carry bag. And I have a lot, I don't have clean underwear in it. That's true. But I always have snacks and, you know, I have extra medicine for, you know, my daughter that needs medicine. I have a pretty decent first aid kit. I have some other things in there. So do you have something like that, that you keep on your, on your body? Or like when you travel, do you kind of level up? in some way this is my backpack it's just a regular kind of like marmot school backpack this is what i travel with and it's what i hike with so in here this is like the extent of my preparedness i always have a bandana because i figured this can be used for literally a thousand different purposes and then i this is the extent of my first aid kit it's not very much when i hike i do take more but this my life-saving drug is benadryl so uh because i have a pretty severe allergy to latex uh, so i don't leave home ever without benadryl and lipstick so lipstick is a must now in my purse see and i'm more prepared in the way of like you need a fork or a napkin or like a knife i got you like you need a, a straw i have you <laughs> like uh you need a reasonable shopping bag I'm, i got it but no like snacks. I don't normally have food in my in my purse or on my person. Uh, I do have a, a great car kit that Rain actually helped me with last summer. And in there I do have snacks in my black, the, the black box. And in the black box, there is a, a pretty good first aid kit and snacks and several liter bottles of water. So now you don't keep any sort of like pepper spray or pepper gel. I don't, I, I, I literally don't even own I don't even own pepper spray. I have a little tiny knife in my car, which would probably only end up cutting myself. In my little bag of tricks, I have a couple of things that if I needed to pull them out, I would. You know, summer's coming up, which probably means more travel for recreational purposes. So that's always something that's kind of on top of mind for for me is, you know, being away from home Mm -hmm. and what that looks like, you know, whether you're traveling by vehicle and run into trouble or get stuck somewhere or have car trouble, some kind of natural disaster happens and you can't get back to home or you have to flee a situation on foot, you know, like, so that's one kind of area. And then the other thing is that I don't think that 20 years ago, if you told me you know there would be a day that there was not rice on the shelf at the grocery store for weeks and weeks and months and months on end i'd have been like what you're crazy no way never never going to happen or if there wasn't toilet paper or any kind of thing or told me that that there may be a day that i don't get to choose which kind of rice that there's not four or five different choices and now we've lived through a time span and it continues where that's a real thing where there there aren't many options um that there are scarcities and so i am very concerned that is something that it's very possible that that kind of scenario could continue to play out over the next months and years to come and i feel like there's Um, very few dominoes that would have to tip in order to put us in a pretty dark place as a as a country my real concern is 
right now is like how much more expensive everything is. Like to me, that's the thing that I'm like, oh gosh, this is where our breaking point is really going to come. Because at some point, all of this, like the production's going to catch back up. We're going to have more rice and toilet paper that we're going to know what to do with in a, you know, months down the line, years down the line, like that stuff is going to come back online, in my personal opinion. But if nobody can afford it along the way. Yeah, you know, I read, I, I can't even give ex specific examples now. But there were several things that I was thinking about that I, I knew the price several like less than a year ago, like I knew what the price was. And then I knew and then I was looking at what the price is today. And across the board, it felt like a solid 20%. Mm -hmm. And then you think about, you know, people who are like already struggle with access to, you know, the, the basics or, or really live on a, a week to week, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of, of paycheck to paycheck. We run a food pantry and we have, we have served 120 families twice a month without fail a full shopping cart of groceries for almost five years now i think it's maybe more than five years and they delivered our our tfap which is the um, the emergency family preparedness plan program i don't know it stands for something that's evading me on sunday night but uh, they de delivered that to us the other day it comes from uh, the Food Bank of Eastern North Carolina, which it comes to them from the USDA. And it was literally one tenth of what we normally get. Really? Yes. Yes. It was shocking. And I'm, I am genuinely concerned for our, our participants. I'm, am I saying that nobody's there taking advantage of the system? I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that in most of the cases we see, these are people who truly need the help on an ongoing basis. They cannot make ends meet otherwise. Mm -hmm. These are these are women who whose husbands worked their whole lives. They've worked their whole lives. They're barely surviving on their a little bit of retirement and their Social Security. They're on food stamps and they, they don't even get enough food stamps to be able to help them just eat. Mm hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. And now even can they afford the gas to come pick up their food? I mean, that was, and we've had that conversation with our participants as well. Gotcha. You were talking earlier about summer coming up and traveling and, you know, you just got back from travel. I'm going to do a little bit of travel this week, not to the extent that you have done or via the same kind of transportation systems that you used. But, you know, it occurred to me, I don't have the same kind of wanderlust that you do. You know, you love to go places right. and do things. I don't. And, you know, really one of the reasons why is because I do not like to be away from my house. Like I, I do have, I guess, maybe like a bit of a nesting instinct, but it's because I, I know what I have here. I have all of my resources here. I don't have all of my eggs in one basket, so to speak. I mean, I do have things sort of staged. So if something happens in one location, there is kind of a fallback position. But I, I feel very uncomfortable when I travel. I don't like to be away from my family for that same reason. You know, I like I want to know where my people are at all times. I, I want to have access to those people. And, you know, I do run a lot of thought experiments like, OK, what if this were to happen? What if this were to happen? Um, and maybe I maybe I have kind of put myself in such a kind of hyper vigilant state 
that it makes me uncomfortable to do anything else. So when you're traveling, when you're doing those sorts of things, is that present in your mind at all? Or is it more present now that you've started thinking about it? Or are you just kind of, I mean, because you and I do have a different attitude as far as I have more of like a need to control what I can control where you really do, you are more open hearted about just kind of taking what comes your way in a way that I admire, but do not understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that probably, I mean, you know, going probably if you look back, like when I look back at my childhood, you know, we were a a military family, so we moved around a lot. Uh, My dad was deployed a lot. So it was just us and my mom. Um, And so my mom traveled with us. Our family always lived far away. So she would pack us in the car and off we'd go. She would never blink an eye or hesitate. Um, You know, so she was by default, very independent. Did you ever break down? Did you spend the night on the side of the road? Did you have a a hotel adventure? Was your mom ready for that? Or was it still just like, we're going to see what happens here? Yeah, so um, when I was four and my sister was two, the movers had come and pack up our things here at North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and we were moving to Northern California. My dad was already out there. So it was my mom's job to get herself and us two children in our, I believe it was an LTD, literally Mm -hmm. from one coast all the way to the other. Mm -hmm. And out in the desert, I don't know if it was in like New Mexico or Arizona, our car overheated and we were like on the side of the road like literally like the sign that's like you know 125 miles to the next gas station like that's the kind of place that we were um so she was definitely like super stressed out she tells the story because i don't really remember it that much um but it's it's comical to to hear her tell it she was like what am i gonna do she didn't really know she's trying to stay calm to keep us calm there's no there's walk. no cell phones you know you're not like hitting no, your this star like, for triple a no, no this was before all of that i don't i mean we didn't even have power windows people like this is like the crank like, windows you know? like, like, <laughs> and only three yeah. out of four of them in the car actually worked yeah yeah i mean this is like you know um and so she's like you know i can't even and even if i could who am i going to call to come help me there's nobody to come help me mm-hmm. um and so she said she just prayed and she was like she was like, Lord, I need a miracle right now. And I need to be safe and my two kids. And um, she said shortly thereafter, these headlights pulled up behind her. It, she could tell. So it was, it was at truck. night. It was at night now. Yes. Okay. On I-40 out in the middle of I, I, New Mexico somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anywhere. One of the main interstates. Yeah. I think it was 40. I could be wrong. Um, and so she's like, oh, gosh, either they're coming to help me or kill me. Like She, <laughs> <laughs> she like you know, gets out of the car and um, she's, she t- it's, she'll have to tell you the story herself one day, but she gets out and it's, it's a, a, a little person. It's a midget truck driver. Mm-hmm. And he was the most kind, sweetest person. And he said, um, what's going on? He took a look. He said, here's what we're going to do. He goes, you're going to get back out here on this road. I don't know. You put more water or something in it and, and said, I'm going to stay behind you. And we're going to get you up here to this next exit. It's a long way to go, but I'm going to stay right behind you. You're, you don't have to worry about anybody messing with you. If you have to pull over, I'm going to pull over with you. And when you get to that exit, 
and I see that you're okay. I'm going to keep on going because there's a gas station. And he even radio, I think he radioed ahead to the gas station back in the, the day. Everybody had CB radios. Sure. Yeah. Um, so he even like called ahead to make sure like, and he's like, okay, there's, you know, it's middle of the night, but there's going to be somebody there to you know help you. And, um, and so I don't remember really what happened after that, how, how, how long it took to get her car fixed, but you know, so watching my mom be like super brave and her faith playing such like a, a crucial role in kind of some of these like decision making things and, you know, like operating out of necessity, like somebody has to come help me because I have to, like, that's just what has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of willing it to, to come to pass and um, watching her do that. And then, and sent, you know, my sister and I both have such a, a love for travel and to be on the road and to adventure. And so, you know, I think, you know, watching us do those in different kinds of ways over the years, but I definitely have a, a, a different awareness now having children than what I had before I had children. Mm-hmm. Um, and now even starting to think about some, you know, some other, some other things, um, you know, now that I have like a child driving myself, you know, so that kind of adds another little level or layer to it. Um, but I'm traveling again this coming weekend to a, a women's conference. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm art, like, I'm like, I wonder if I can, can I take a knife? Like, what do I, what can, <laughs> what can I take? Do I need some pepper spray? But I don't, like, I am not a naturally fearful person. Mm-hmm. I like a, like if you come up against me for some reason, like I will come to fight. Like I will, I, I like if, if that's where we're gonna go, it's where we're gonna go, and I will go down swinging. I mean, I, I might try. I'll try to run away first, but if that doesn't work, you know, like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not fearful. I'm definitely glad that you're not fearful because I, I don't think that fear. I don't think that fear is a good motivator. I don't necessarily think that it's a very useful device. It may get you started, but I don't think it leads to good decision-making along the way. But I do think that there is a, a very healthy space for caution and awareness and being vigilant to the fact, I mean, I hate to tell you, Tracy, but we are we're closing in on the middle-aged lady bracket, you know what I mean? So if we were, to, I mean, if, if we were to seriously come into contact with, with someone who was larger and stronger and determined to overpower us or subdue us in some way, I mean, we could, we could scratch and bite and scream and yell and all of those things, but physically the, the situation that we might find ourselves in, we might be surprised by right. if we weren't, Which, like, you know, careful. that, which totally brings up another Sarah Lyons Fleming in one of her novels, uh, one of her characters is not in the best shape, but she, she forces herself to start running and getting in better shape mm-hmm. in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And um, so I told Rain the other day that my sister read this same book mm-hmm. um, while I was there. Like she's like a speed reader. I don't, I don't even know how she did it. And so, you know, my brother-in-law is like, <laughs> he's a comic but he's like he's like well the first thing that's gonna happen is your fat asses are gonna make it anywhere because you can't outrun anybody i was like touche touche like you know and there's such an element of truth to that that i have sat on my rear for five years eight to ten hours a day and i am not in great physical condition which 
is is the god honest truth um, and it's definitely something that i need to work on well i, I assume you got my text message today about <laughs> you yes so I saw it. that was part of me thinking through this though, because you're absolutely right. Because function being functionally fit, I'm not talking about doing the Ironman contest or going to every CrossFit competition that you can get your massive quads on. But I mean, I'm right. talking about being able to lift things and throw things and work all day and sprint if you need to sprint and punch if yeah. you need to punch those sorts of things so i mean or throw physical fitness on a pack and be able to walk like a really long distance mm-hmm. and not be get you know blisters the first two miles and and be incapacitated i've always dreamed of hiking part of the appalachian trail mm-hmm. i'm definitely i'm not physically able to do that right this minute but it would be a dream come true and you know like you have to have the right resources with you in order to be resourceful it's kind of a package deal. So I, I hope that there's pieces and elements of this that will kind of raise my awareness in those kind of ad- adventure scenarios as well. Okay, I like that. I want to take a quick minute then here kind of towards the end and talk about how we can take our, our concept of saying, okay, so what we want to do is prepare ourselves to be prepared outside of our house i feel like in this scenario our vehicle will be an asset that we can use because you know you're going to be driving on your trip i'm going to be driving on my trip so specifically what we want to do is we want to prepare ourselves to be away from home at least in one overnight situation. This is something that I tell my husband all the time, which he laughs at me, but I'm serious. When he goes on a trip and I'm like, you know, what if you have to walk home? And probably we're not gonna have to walk home, but there is always that opportunity. So I really always start preparing with, like I make sure I've got my tennis shoes in the car. I make sure I've got a rain jacket and all of that kind of stuff. So one of the things I did realize when I was stranded in Charlotte Mm -hmm. and I did have my carry on, I did not have an extra pair of shoes with me. Mm -hmm. I had on Birkenstocks, Mm -hmm. my tennis shoes and my boots those were the, I only had three pairs of shoes with me. I had my Birkenstocks, I had my boots, and I had a pair of tennis shoes. My tennis shoes and my boots were in my piece of check luggage. Mm-hmm. I like this scenario for both of us because I think it is something that we encounter enough. And I think it's applicable across the board. I mean, even if we were just taking a day trip to Raleigh to go shopping or something, like we're still a couple hours away and almost 200 miles away from our home. What happens if, you know, the grid goes down? I mean, what happens if you have to get home to your family? Do you have what you need to not only physically make it there? Do you have enough cash in your pocket? Have you communicated with your family? Do they know where you are? And do you have a plan? If something were to happen, this is, I always do this. And my husband thinks I'm ridiculous, but I'm like, dude, if something goes down and I can't communicate with you, wherever I am, I'm coming home first. Like my first plan is to come home. If I cannot make it home, we have two or three other places that are nearby enough that if I got here and they weren't here, I would say, okay, I'm going to go here and look for information. I'm going to go here and look for information. I don't think that's something that many people think through when you just walk out the door to go on a trip. Like what would happen, Tracy, if you lost all communication with your family, you didn't have a car, you didn't have a phone, and you got home and your family wasn't at your house, would you know where to go next? We've kind of had pieces of conversations like that in the past. What's interesting is my my parents, that part of my family, we mm-hmm. always had the 
the verbal understanding mm-hmm. that if anything ever happened and we were ever separated and I don't, you know, there was this thing called like nine 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was in Los Angeles, in California. Yeah. I was, I was a flight attendant and I was stuck on the ground, uh, on Charlotte in C mm-hmm. and literally couldn't leave. I was mm-hmm. stuck on an airplane for, for hours and hours and hours. But anyway, for as long as I can remember the, our family plan was if anything ever happened, you get and actually, I'm not even going to say it just for our own preparedness purposes, but basically the hollers of Tennessee, there's a, mm-hmm. there is a specific place that our family owns in the hollers of Tennessee that is far, kind of far away from civilization. It's far off of main interstates, but you could also get there by river. There's spring fed wells there on the property. There's wild game, there's shelter. So that was the plan. So, the so plan but for my family, myself, Tracy and, and Kevin and kids mm-hmm. would look a little bit different. But yeah, we have probably need to revisit that conversation to be well, sure that like our driving child knows where to go if anything ever happened. Well, that was really my question. Was your family system now? If you were away and you came home and your husband and children were not there, I if mean, they would, would they, they be on here, their way to I, Tennessee? Or, I mean, you would have other places no, to check. I, yeah, I would have at least two places that I would know to check first. And if they weren't there, I would I would probably assume that that is where they were headed. To Tennessee. Or where I was hoping hope they were headed. That would be a really long far. trip. That's that really would be far. a really long trip to hope that they were going there and then get there and realize that they were really, <laughs> really far. Yeah, I feel like, oh dear, now I've got to walk back. So we are going to make a plan that we are going to prepare ourselves like an everyday carry bag. So in our daily sort of errands, if we're out and about and we're just like an hour or two, let's say away from home, but then we're going to make sure that our car is prepared for say an overnight, several hundred miles scenario. So that's what we're going to be working on this week. I think that's pretty measurable because we sort of have a time frame and a distance frame. Is it attainable? Is that something that you think is within the scope of what we can build out in a week? Sure. Okay. I think so too. Absolutely. And relevant. Is it the right goal at the right time? Uh, I think that since we both have trips like (laughs) now, like extremely relevant. Okay. I like it. And then so time-based. So for me, I'm going to need to really sort of front load it. So probably what I'll do is I'll work on my stuff. We'll obviously have a lot of communication, but I'll need to have mine ready to go because I'll be leaving sooner in the week than you will. But certainly by next weekend is when we need to make sure that we are a hundred percent set and ready. That sounds good to you. Yeah. All right. Do you have any concerns? I'm wondering how long it would take me to walk from Myrtle Beach to home. Like I'm like I'm I'm still kind of stuck on that. I'm like I wonder if you didn't come across any obstacles. Like how long would it take? So average a, a slightly speed. overweight 44 year old. Well, you know, average walking <laughs> speed is what three to four miles per hour. Seriously, but that would be how much without any hindrances, which there probably would be in this. If, if I had to, to walk home, there would mm-hmm. might be hindrances. But like, if if everything was smooth sailing, how many days are we talking to walk that distance and, and the amount of safe food or water that you might need to, to get from point A to point B? Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, figure you could probably only really reasonably walk eight to 10 hours in a day. I mean, truthfully, you're going to have to take a break. You and I are not avid hikers. So we're not going to be on the upper end of that physically fit graph. Not today. Not today. So one more question, Tracy. 
how do you think this might serve joy i think that the thing that joy is is the most passionate about is her her family she would do anything to protect her family to protect them prepare them keep them safe you know there's there's nothing and no links that she wouldn't go to i don't see that she's super interested in again like bearing a conix container probably not that level of preparedness but like really like practical preparedness maybe like over the edge of practical like just a little bit like she's she's not afraid because she's just not like she's not your totally like down to earth kind of person she doesn't and that doesn't bother her but when i think when we present it in a way that this is something that you can do to kind of level up in the way of doing your kind of mom due diligence you know and uh, in a way that serves your family she's all ears Right. And I think she will pay attention and it will definitely serve her. So and in, in, in that, you know, as far as joy as, as a person serving joy as, you know, actually giving joy to others. I think there's a lot of people out there that don't have an understanding of preparedness the way that rain does. Like our, my my level of understanding of that niche is is nowhere near, but it does bring me a lot of joy to think with a little bit of effort and especially with other people involved and learning from others and upping my skill set that I can be more prepared to that brings me joy you don't have to be scared it's not something scary or doomsy it's like I'm getting stronger and it makes me more confident because I'm engaging in this preparedness so starting tomorrow we ourselves are going to be preparing for venturing beyond the scope of our house, both kind of as a daily situation. So we're gonna get our EDC, our everyday carry bags up and running and at least have conversations about what needs to go in it. And if we decide not to put things in it, then they're gonna be conscious decisions. And then up into including being away from our home, several hundred miles away and in an overnight, at, at least one overnight scenario. That sounds really great. All right. I'm excited. Thank I'm you so much, Rain. I'm excited too. I'm really, really, really excited. And I, I'm a little concerned because this is such a big topic and my brain is so, you know, you know how I get and I'm like, oh, I want to talk about it all. But I'm hoping that it'll be generalized enough. And there's a lot of people who are talking about remaining in place and how to do food prep and water prep and that kind of stuff. So we'll share that along the way, but we'll specifically be talking about something that I haven't seen a lot of people talking about. So that's actually really exciting too. Right. And I mean, like we said at the top of the podcast, podcast we're at the front end of summer we're you know we're just pre memorial day this is the time of year when everybody is getting ready to travel mm -hmm. I, I can tell you from recent experience airline travel has gone through the roof mm -hmm. um you know in addition to gas price took a little offer to catch up but i'll be on if it didn't catch up mm -hmm. you know and i so i think that people will be um you know they i think people are still going to travel they're still mm -hmm. going to go on their vacations, but they might stick a little bit closer to home than maybe usual. So they're not using quite as much gas, but mm -hmm. they're still going several hours away, if not, you know, lots of hours away. Mm -hmm. And just because you're driving along doesn't mean you're going to get where you think you're going in the amount of time that you think you're going to get there. It doesn't mean you're not going to be stuck with thousands of other like angry unsettled uh, yes. kind of people who are in the car next to you. I mean, that's yeah, to me, that would be even scarier than anything else is to be in that environment with people like that. Yeah, because I, I would just say one of the lessons that 
9-11 did teach me because I was flying at the time and then I, I continued to fly is scared people don't make nice people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is, that is not a good equation. And people, people change when they get scared and hungry and tired. Right. And- we just have to figure out what you need and what you want and what is what are the things that work for you that you need to have access to in these kind of specific circumstances your car kit it's about getting you to the next stage of your plan your everyday carry bag is to make sure that you have immediate needs covered i don't have to go like to the gas station and get like a a snickers bar because i've got enough food to sustain me for however long that i think i need to be sustained to get to 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 the next step maybe maybe the next step is getting to your car where you have a bigger cash maybe the next step is just getting home because you're only across town you know whatever those things are each one of these elements is is a piece of the pie it's not supposed to be an entire sustainment situation it's just supposed to be able to get you to until you get to the place where you are most secure so if you're bugging in getting you back home if you're bugging out to your Tennessee location for you Tracy yeah I mean I mean I'm just I'm thinking about the bag that you carry all the time I mean nobody would look at it and be like oh she's got her what's it called everyday carry everyday Mm -hmm. carry is that Mm -hmm. right yeah you know, it's not like some tactical looking thing. It's a very no. common brand name. So it's not like, oh, there she goes with her tactical bag. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I have this gigantic leather tote bag that I, you know, like if I needed to suddenly traipse across somewhere, like I mean, like thinking about it practically, I'm like, mm, you know, and I do I have a small purse inside my big purse that's like a crossbody, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I feel like I'm going to need to rethink some of that. Mm-hmm. Like on a day-to-day basis, that's said it works for me. Mm-hmm. But I think once I, if I kind of start looking at a bigger picture, I don't know if that will continue to work. So I definitely would like to put some more thought into that. And I'm definitely going to need your help. I'm looking forward to what you come up with there because I, I think I think that is going to be like a process that a lot of our friends on our social media accounts are going to really appreciate seeing like the kind of progression of that. Okay. Yeah. My, my stuff needs a good cleaning out anyway. So we're going to get that mess cleaned out and then go from there. All right, Tracy. <laughs> well, I think we have a lot laid down yes. tonight. If you are good on today's episode, then I think that's a wrap. All right. That's a wrap.